0: Hello and welcome to Uptown Chats, a podcast where we share stories about environmental justice by and for everyday people. I'm your co-host,
1: Jaron. And I'm your other co-host, Lonnie, and we both work at We Act for Environmental Justice. Hey, Lonnie, what's our mission? Glad you asked. Our mission is to build healthy communities by ensuring that people of color and or low-income residents participate meaningfully in the creation of sound and
0: fair environmental health and protection policies and practices. And we are so excited to have you on our first real episode of the podcast. Yeah, isn't that right, Lonnie? Yeah, it's exciting. New year, new podcast. New us. New me. Same us. us. Same
1: Same us. us. Um, Well, we haven't changed.
0: Yes, we're the same. (laughs) Uh, But we are... Bring in a new year. It's uh, we're uh, you know a little over halfway through January already. The years going by quickly. How is the year treating you so far, Lonnie? Um,
1: my year is treating me pretty good so far. Pretty, off- I'm off to a good start. Let's just say that. I'm waiting
0: for it all to crash and burn, but I'm off to a good start. Well, way to way to uh, jinx yourself already. We need we need positive energy. P- I need to be positive Okay, sure. You'll be realistic, and I'll be the optimistic one, and we'll balance each other out. There you go. That's, I can. I'll be the pessimist, and you be the optimist. Yes, yes. We've got a good balance going on here. Uh, I mean, one thing that's been great about this year so far is we found our new favorite movie, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Lonnie and I both saw it in theaters together three times.
1: Yeah, three separate occasions. And we brought other people with us each time. That's how good the movie was, that we felt the need to see it in theaters three different
0: times. Yes, it's great. I laughed, I cried, I laughed some more, I cried some more, some good action scenes, all the things. I felt so many mixes of emotions all at different times, and it's such a great story, everyone should see it. We're not sponsored by the movie, but again, we wish we were. In other news, one uh, thing that's exciting for me this year that I got to see as soon as I got home after visiting my family for the holidays was a nice, orange, new composting bin on the corner of my street. I was lugging my suitcase back to my apartment down the street from the subway, and I saw it sitting on the corner, and I was like, what is this orange bin? And I walked over and it said, compost on it. and I didn't hear anything about it, and no news, no nothing leading up to it. But then a couple weeks later, one of our amazing staff members, Bailey, shared this article with us about these compost bins. And Lonnie, you heard about this too, right? What what is, what was the what's the the deal? What's the the what is the deal with all these compost bins? Yes, sir. I also kind of stumbled upon
1: them randomly and didn't know what was going on. And I also felt special and thought it was just going to be on that block that I saw it on near my near my house. And I was just like, "Oh, this is great. This is this is here for me now." Um, but then. We got that that article, and it the title of that article says "Smart Compost Bins." Forty five in all have arrived in Upper Manhattan, so uptown has gotten quite a few of these smart compost bins. They're bright orange, um, and they're 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 smart compost bins. So there's an app. The app is called NYC Compost. And it can be downloaded Android and iOS, and you basically use that to open these bins to put your compost in. And they are they are they're all over. I once I've seen the first one, I keep seeing them all over uptown now. And so like, think on my commute from my home to my work, I think that I passed like three of them.
0: Yeah. So needless to say, we are not special. It's not just on our blocks. They didn't single us out individually and give us our own dedicated compost bins. As much as we originally thought that apparently and as cool as that would have been they are all all over uptown which is great it means composting is coming to uptown and uh, believe it or not that was not the inspiration for this episode what uh, inspired us to to want to talk about composting was for me thinking about the holidays you know when I you know besides coming back to my apartment in New York City to find a nice new orange compost bin on my street corner. I also came back to a fridge full of mostly expired food because <laughs> I'm an irresponsible adult, and I did not eat all of it before I went home for the holidays and or did not check the expiration dates before I left. So there was a decent amount of expired food. And so uh fortunately, I do have a compost bin in my apartment. And so instead of just throwing it in the trash to go in the landfill, I threw it into my compost bin, and then I was able to, to take it to compost. But uh What's your experience with composting, Lonnie? Have you composted before? Um, I am not a composter. And the only reason
1: why I haven't been a composter is because it was never seemed convenient for me to do that. I also grew up in the Midwest, and in Ohio, where you didn't learn anything about composting. I don't think I really understood what composting was like fully until maybe like college, to be honest, when I moved here. And there were more people who were more or more conscious about it. But with these new orange bins, though, they got me inspired. To actually, since I passed three of them on my way to actually start this composting journey um, in my in my own home, but I think the, my earliest member, memory of composting had to be sometime in elementary school. Uh, my grandmother had a neighbor who had food scraps somewhere um, in on their property, and I didn't really quite understand what composting was at the time. But I just I can remember that visual and the smell uh, that came from that particular outdoor kind of bin that they had. What about you?
0: I'm sure at that time, that was probably a, a really interesting thing to see, because I don't remember ever seeing composting as a kid. I don't think I was ever introduced to it until I was an adult.
1: Yes. As a child, I don't, I think that was the only memory that I actually have. It's just, but again, not knowing what it was or composting or what was being used for, I just know that they were putting apple cores and, and peels into this large container that was outdoors. Yeah. And did you know of the term compost at the time? Had you ever heard the word compost? No, I don't think I actually heard the word compost until like late high school, early college.
0: Yeah. I don't think I even heard the word food waste. I mean, I guess I heard of waste or trash, but never, never the words food waste together. Because I feel like the jump from food waste to compost is very, it happens quickly. Like You're right. Yeah, same here. I don't think I, you're
1: right. Those kind of words never were put together. You know it was never food waste, it was just trash. It was all garbage, you know to me, and one of the kind of things that the one of the main issues is that food waste goes into landfills and incinerators outside of the city to other communities, and those landfills and incinerators are often located in low income communities and communities of color, so you know this is kind of how. This is an environmental justice issue, is because all of that waste that we're creating here in the city goes somewhere else, and so the less waste that we create here in the city, the less it goes into these landfills and incinerators. And when there's no waste, would go into landfills and incinerators, um, you can shut those facilities down and close those facilities.
0: And that's the goal. And I mean, one more thing too on that is when you think about things going places, things being transported, that requires generally vehicles and trucks to do that. So you can think about also communities that have to have all this waste transported out also have all these big trucks that are probably dumping some air pollution into those communities. So if we are having a lot of food waste that's being trucked out of northern Manhattan that could be composted instead, that's adding to our burden of air pollution that doesn't need to be there. We could just take that food waste, that compost, and put it right back into the soil
1: absolutely and yeah I, I, I think we often forget about we have to actually transport it and that's usually used with trucks and we know that trucks you know all the diesel and, and all the emissions from from transportation sector and then once the actual food waste gets to the landfill it contributes to to greenhouse gases and methane emissions once it's there boo yeah we don't like that we don't we don't like those things and you know organic waste in new york city it basically makes up thirty four percent of New York City's entire waste. So it's organic waste remains like the largest and still growing
0: category of waste. You know, speaking of which, you know, this is always a common misunderstanding of of composting, and something I learned recently when it came to sorting my own compost is people often complain about it smelling bad, and part of the reason for that that I learned recently is it's all about that balance of brown and green materials, right and for the, for most of us like me, I'm just dumping all of my, you know, sweet potato cuttings, my my, my vegetable cuttings, and banana peels, orange peels, uh, eggshells, all that stuff. That's that's all the green green materials, right? That's all the wet, the more wet stuff, mm-hmm. more food stuff. But there's this whole other category of the brown materials that balances all that out, right? Like the brown materials are things like like wood chips and like dry leaves or uh, sawdust and stuff like that. Both of those things are needed to create I think a well-balanced soil and and compost. And often for us when we're, you know, bringing our food scraps, it's mostly the green stuff. And so, you know, if you're at home and you got bin, that's it's a little stinky, a little smelly cuz you got all your greens, all your green food waste, then consider throwing in some, you know, some brown materials too, some shredded paper, maybe some sawdust if you've got that, yellow wood shop in your backyard, or you know, some, some dried leaves, stuff like that to help balance out that mixture. And it might not be so stinky.
1: That's good, That's good tip. So when I start my journey on yes. the composting, I will make sure I have my greens and my browns.
0: With that, we've got a great interview in store for you with a amazing community member of ours, Nando Rodriguez, who is the environmental coordinator at the Brotherhood Sister Soul, and you'll hear a little bit more about the work that he does in organizing youth, and also in making sure that composting is an important thing that's happening uptown and in the city. We'll be back after the interview with a very special guest from our WEAG staff, Annie Carforo, who has done a lot of work around composting and zero waste in the city, and also has visited Brotherhood Sister Soul with us. So stay tuned, and we will be back soon. I guess we'll just start off with doing introductions, yeah. so if you want to go ahead and introduce
2: yourself and your organization. Uh my name is Nando Rodriguez. I'm the Environmental Coordinator for the Brotherhood and Sister Soul non-profit organization in West Harlem. And
0: for folks who are not as familiar with composting and the process and don't really know what composting is. Could you give a little bit of a background? Like what is composting? Uh, Why do we do it? What's what, what value does it add and what benefit does it bring to a community
2: specifically? Yeah. um, You know, a, a lot of people will have different explanation of composting, but it's all the same, but it's just different ways of explaining it. I like to say that composting is a human Creation to a natural process. So decomposition is what happens naturally. And it's the same thing what happens in the composting bins, but composting is then the human interaction of helping decomposition happen. That would be my explanation of it. So that's a really amazing explanation. I've never
0: heard it explained that way. I love that. Uh, why do we do it? And what benefits does it offer
2: a community? Why, what, what's the value in it? Yeah. So, you know, I think the people who are currently separating their food scraps from their regular garbage and actually taking it to a composting or a drop-off bin or actually taking it to a community garden to compost, I think there's there's a environmental, an environmental conscious in their heart or their spirit that's telling them, you know, this is important. This is valuable. This is the little that you can do to give back to our environmental, you know, environmental space or nature, you know. And I think people are composting because of that, because they know that that is important in that way, but that they want to give back to the environment. The importance of composting is it goes really uh, wide range. So there are many different good reasons for composting. For me, I think uh, uh, a funny way that probably you haven't heard from before, or maybe you have, is to create a, uh, a beautiful environment for our insects, for our microorganisms and macroorganisms that we don't really think about, you know? Composting is the utopia for them. And how you compost, in the different ways you compost, you're creating an environment of freedom that all they do is eat, uh, have babies, you know, exercise, uh, sweat, drink water, and it's like a beautiful resort for them. So in in this in a weird sort of way, that is very important for our insects and our microorganisms, microorganisms to continue to thrive and grow and composting is important because of that. That's one like funny beautiful reason that I like to say why is composting important. Yeah, But I can get into the details later. Yeah, we all deserve that spa treatment, including the insects. Exactly. Everyone gets that spa such a, treatment.
1: Such a poetic way to put it, too. Like, I had, like, this vision of, like, insects and microbes, like, having their own like life and spa and massages and relaxing that's a good way to put that yeah Yeah, i
0: picture myself as a worm just you know getting in there and just like you know getting a little uh, uh, steam
2: treatment and you know i I keep i keep when i tell the kids that this like story of of why you know composting systems what are we doing in these systems and i tell them that it's like a a a vision of you know a, a beautiful movie of a bug's life type of thing you know and being in that in some ways I'd be like you know sometimes I'm jealous of that like imagine yourself as one of those insects like which one do you want to be and just imagine yourself on on this type of utopia you know (laughs) yeah for those who may not know Buck's Life is a movie deep cut
0: go see it (laughs) if you haven't seen it find it yeah yeah I love that movie there's a generation of Kids out there who have never seen Buck's no, Life, no. and our we're on a campaign to change that now. It's <laughs> tragic.
2: Yes, go watch it. You have to it watch. Should be it.
1: required. Yeah, required viewing school. I have a question in terms of how does the composting and what you do now? Uh, how do they connect? Like what it goes on at Brotherhood to Sister Soul when it comes to composting and, and the work that you guys do?
2: Yeah, for me, um, right now, what I what I the way I take on composting is to be an example and a, a community a pilot, a community example of. Imagine what we're doing at Brosis and Frank White Memorial Garden in this composting process being happening in every two or three blocks away. We're not composting at a wide scale. We're a small scale processing, food processing um, site. It's what they call it in the composting world, food processing. And What I'm doing is I'm creating an opportunity where young people from the ages of eight to 22 are learning about this process of separating your food waste and creating resource from it. So what we, you know, they go through the whole process of chopping up all the food waste, mixing it with any of the browns that we can collect or that is brought into our garden. And they mix it, put it in the composting system. They do the whole process. They take out, once that process is, is gone, and after two, three months, the, all of the, the food waste is all broken down, all of the microbes and mi- microorganisms and microorganisms have you know gone through all of it, and it's finished, we take it out with the young people, and then we sift it, and then that finished compost, we have them put it into our raised beds, our trees, and the street guards, and the, and the street trees. Like, they see that we're feeding you know, our natural environment with stuff that people threw away. So for me, it's like teaching these young people this process is a natural, you know, process that we're creating in this small facility. And everyone gets to learn how to do that so that when they get older, it's like not something new. It's something that they have engaged in. So when more and more of our human society or human population becomes to kind of realize that the environment is important these kids who have gone through my program will know that composting is one of the key steps to giving back that composting is a resource created from nothing from waste to kind of help bring back our soil bring back the plants give more food have more abundance of this natural organic resources Rather than, you know, getting it from another state, another country that you have to buy at Home Depots or Lowe's or something, you know. So for me, you know, uh composting with young people at our, our space is just an ideal pilot of a actual working solution that I wish could be done in many different communities. Speaking of that, I know that you
0: have kind of come up with this innovative approach to, to composting that's part of what Lonnie and I both saw when we went and visited Brotherhood sister soul this hot box technique and I think it's fascinating it's such a cool idea I've never seen it anywhere else never heard it from anyone else could you like give like a broad overview like what that process is why it's innovative and cool and why like more people should be doing composting in that way
2: yeah uh, so the hot box was that was being started and created when I joined that organization in in middle school in the open Road of New York. So they are the founders of the design. And I had jumped into when they were starting to practice different ways of creating this design. But anyway, the Hotbox was created because at the time of composting at that, that time, we started to find out and get familiar that a lot of people was finding that the process of composting was strenuous was very uh time consuming and labor intensive so more and more people didn't want to do the process of composting but they would be willing to drop off their food waste then who was going to do the process of composting so when this design came up i was like thinking about it ways and and I just kept on thinking, this system is made for the lazy composter. <laughs> so that's used to, back then it's called, this is perfect for everyone who wants to be composting, but they're lazy at it, you know, or lazy to it. So then we started thinking of different ways. So the compost design then started to evolve in different ways. So the hot box, the way, it, the perfect explanation of the hot box is every other composting system needs to be turned. To, so that it doesn't become anaerobic. You want your compost to be aerobic. You need a, a special formula to help decomposition happen naturally at a faster rate, but also naturally and, and perfectly so that it kills off the bacteria that you don't want in there, but it, it thrives on all the bacteria you do want in there. So you need water, you need oxygen, you need carbon, and you need nitrogen. The water system is pretty simple. You can either, if it's too dry, just, you know, pour some water on it. And in most cases, if you have enough nitrogen and carbon perfect mix, sometimes you don't need the water because the moisture of the nitrogen helps. The carbon, it helps dry it out if it's too moist. So that's that dry material, brown material that helps it. The oxygen is the part that the human's interaction to composting has to happen. So if you have a tumbler, you have to crank the tumbler almost every other day for like 20 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, give it a taste, so it gets a nice mix. If you have a three-bin system, you gotta grab a pitchfork or a shovel and basically turn half of a cubic yard into another cubic yard. If it's a windrow, you gotta take a section of the windrow, is like a pile, a pile of dirt, Pile of compost and that's processed. You got to take this whole pile and turn it like a couple of inches or a couple of feet away and just turn the whole thing. So oxygen is a key ingredient, but it's the most labor intensive. The hot box design works where we created these different. Um, I want to call them like air conditioning to the resort, right? To, to this ecosystem. We want to say it's a uh, oxygen vent that when the heat rises, it pulls in more oxygen through these PVC pipes that, are, that have like a quarter-inch drills in, in them. And they're located in the hot box in the perfect location so that as heat rises, a lot of the oxygen is spread around through the whole cubic yard box. So keeping going up, it pulls in this cool, nice, fresh air so that we don't have to turn it. So that step of turning it, which usually takes hours depending on how scaled your composting is, has been taken out. So now this new system, well, it's not new because it was created in in 93, 94, 93, and it was patented in 96, but it's been around for so long. It's just that it is expensive because of the material we have, but it lasts forever. It's I have one that I built when I was in middle school that still to now is like 30 plus years and it still exists and still works, you know, and it's keep working the same exact way as I started it back back in the 90s. And a lot of other systems, they break down, they're too thin, they, they fall apart, they're made out of wood, so wood rots and dissolves, but the system, you know, less, less um, intensive labor and more volume more you know food waste more compost you know more volume into it less timing less process and i'm able to you know process more food waste than a lot of other systems out there
0: do you see these hot boxes something that could exist in other places like in other parts of the city and like what what, what would be one of the challenges of doing that and
2: trying to get it in more of these places i think the challenge the major and number one challenge is really just finance like once people start to use the hot box and start to uh, Start to work with it and deal with it. They're gonna see that it's so much easier to 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 have in your in your garden in your Backyard in your church in your schoolyard. It can go anywhere The other part of the the hot box is that is it's not um, Bad-looking It's actually really nice to look at a lot of other composting systems looks like a pile of garbage in some sense in in the lack of a better word. Um, But this system is covered and, you know, you can have it anywhere and I can see it anywhere. To be honest, I don't see where it cannot be. Like I've, I've installed some in rooftops, installed some in schoolyards, mostly in gardens. I, I don't think we've done a church yet, but I'm sure it can go there. And then I have this new idea that I would like to Implement it's a custom design, so you don't need it. But if you wanted to make it even more appealing to your community, all around the hot box um, is stationary. So the edges, the sides of the hot box on the outside can become a collective, creative canvas in a sense, right? So you can make art, you can create art, and maybe have it seasonal where you could change the panel. So you have something creative that you can do with your community group, with the hot box. Or we can have some games, you know, Tic-Tac-Toe or Connect Four and put it on the sides. And, you know, while the parents are doing the processing and chopping and putting uh, food waste into the composting bin, the kids that don't want to do it can be playing games right next to you. And, you know, imagine that. Like, what other bin is actually a a toy? (laughs) I mean, Never cease to be
0: surprised by kids and their imagination. If you just give them a box and they will turn it into a toy. So, yeah, you have a big yeah. composting box and you give it to kids. They will decorate right. it and or turn it into a game. Right. So yeah. I love that. It seems very urban friendly in terms of like
1: being able to scale in an in a, in a urban space. Is that something that you think about when it comes to design and possibly scaling that uh, system up?
2: Yeah, um, we've tried... Like, taking that same design and, and making it one big piece, and that doesn't work because of the urban, you know, when, it, when you come to urban-friendly designs, it's portable, movable. So you want to have that. So if you have something in New York that you can't really move, think about, like, New York City's small apartments. You get tired of how the apartment is after a little while, so you want to move it around. It's still the same size. It's all the same furniture. But by moving it around, you feel like you're in a whole different place. So these composting bins can do that as well. You empty out the whole thing, we can slide and move this whole box everywhere. And then it could be a whole new place in the garden. We did that in Pleasantville, Pleasantville Garden in the East Harlem. They were losing portion of their garden because of industrialization is happening. And obviously they took a portion of their garden, which is where they, they house their composting system. And we had to move that system to a whole another system. And a lot of fear about the system is that sometimes you move a certain system and they'll break apart and they start falling apart. But these are so durable and so tightly designed that we were able to move both of them nice and simple and put it in a whole new space and it looks like it was there for years. So making this an urban friendly design was a key factor. It had to be something that when you walk by it, you probably don't know what it is, but it's curiosity, you know, like you think about it. And let me see. we we'll see how it is. It'll attract your attention. And then you start to realize what it is. And it's like, you know, this is a really cool design. Yeah, I love hearing about that. Um, you, you,
1: when you talk about like composting in these systems and you talked a little bit about like uh, certain neighborhoods or areas losing certain space because of, of growth development. How do you see composting it's like an environmental justice issue, or how do you frame it in your mind of how that how those two things relate to each other?
2: Yeah, that's a, <clears throat> When I was thinking about that, that when I looked at it, that question was asked me before, and, and I looked at the questions too. That was the one question I was like, damn, how do you explain? Because there's so many different ways of explaining how the compost system is an environmental justice movement, and just talking a bit, a little bit about what i was talking about the bug life and how it's it's a justice for them. I think it also becomes an environmental justice for our, our economic system. You know, So when you think about um, how much money we spend taking away all our trash out of the state and paying another state to take our trash, and 34% or 35%, 36%, wherever the numbers are now, is most of that is food waste. Most of that can be processed locally within our communities, within our city, you know, within our own state where that resource is not, you know, financially, but it becomes valuable. It's like, you know, for a long time you hear composting being black gold. That's what they mean is that the the benefits of using compost to revitalize your soil, to bring up, you know, your plants stronger, whatever food crops you have is valuable. and it's And it's made from, you know, what we throw away. So that is gold in a sense. So that alone, you know, when it comes to that scenario, that to me is another environmental justice, economically, like not spending money, taking away our resources rather than changing how we use that money and build infrastructure that's sustainable for our community. You know, building all of these composting systems throughout all of the city will help benefit our community with that resource but then that money goes towards creating these infrastructure, which then creates more possible jobs in the future. So imagine all of these composting systems within a community. Now the possibility of creating micro haulers is even greater. Right now you have a couple of micro haulers, one in Brooklyn, the Lower East Side, maybe some happening in the Bronx already. And they're small because they're micro haulers. They work in their own community. But think about instead of having McDonald's all over in every corner... You can have a micro hauling company in, in, in every community, and each and every micro hauling community will create jobs for residents in the community. Will create money that can, you know, equity that can live within the same community and start to help build that community. So now you're now giving you're giving jobs to communities. You're giving job opportunities for for business owners who want to be micro haulers. Then you're giving resources to our natural environment. You're creating these resorts for these bugs. And at the same time, there's opportunity to teach our community how to give back. And then I also see another piece of it is um the city has, you know, these uh, some youth employment opportunities, right? That has been always been great. And I was a part of the that product when I was a teenager and, and working, you know, for a daycare or working for another an organization, earning my at the time was I think it was like eight dollars an hour. <laughs> But it was good money for six weeks, you know, for a teenager who has no bills. It's great, you know. But these micro hauling companies and these composting sites can now host young people. And then you're creating a new generation of environmentally sound people who will later think about the same way what I'm doing with my kids. Will always have that experience of giving back to the environment, which will then maybe awaken their inner Gaia, you know, their environmentally conscious person being like, don't throw that trash on the street. There's a garbage can, throw it in there, you know, don't pour all your food waste in your garbage at home, separate it. Something tells them because they've experienced it and they know the benefits of it and they worked on it, you know, so you build this future of a sustainable system within the system. For folks who
0: are not familiar with what micro hauling is, could you unpack that and explain that a little bit as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I forget sometimes the language is uh, micro hauler. So there's, there's, in the composting world, there's two existing pieces to it. Um, well, three. The pro- the processing sites that I mentioned are gardens or places that have composting systems. And they're not Collecting food waste from anyone—they're just composting the food waste that comes to them. So those sites are called processing sites. Then you have the food waste drop-offs, which are bins that are placed by different agencies that you know I highly respect, and I the city I have been funding them, and I I continue to push and support that that continues to happen. Laurie Psychology Center, Earth Matters grow nyc and i think those are the three major ones that are doing drop-off sites so that's a place where residents can come and who are separating their food and they can't get to a garden they can go to a drop-off site and drop off their food waste so that's the drop-off size micro haulers are the agencies that are connecting with local businesses connecting with local residents and there are With a fee, they're going to these locations and collecting their food waste, their food scraps. So the residents will pay a monthly fee. The businesses will pay a monthly fee or weekly fee, depending on who or micro hauler you're working with. And they'll come by with their bins. They'll replace clean new bins to the the agency, the, the resident, and then take these full bins and take it to a composting processing site. Or they'll take it to farmers who have, you know, who are doing composting. So micro haulers have their connections in different ways. But what would benefit micro haulers more is if they had a lot of local community processing sites. So when one garden is full, they can go not too far away and start filling another garden and help these processing sites continue to have food waste but also it helps the micro haulers, you know, spread around all of this food waste that they have. And then it helps these agencies that are picking up the food scraps then the drop up zones so that they don't have to take so much. If they're taking like, you know, even if their volume is packed, you know, people start filling it more, then they're not filling it to the max. You have these different agencies working together in cohesion to help process almost, if not, all of our food waste in some sort of way.
0: Yeah, I, I really appreciate you breaking all this down. I feel like it's really helpful to get this whole picture because, like myself, at one point, I feel like most people assume, you know, that once the compost leaves their door and is in the drop-off bin or gets picked up, it's like, that's it. It's mm. gone. It ceases to exist. It, it somehow gets to the process But being able to actually hear through you know, your eyes what the process actually looks like i think is really helpful to understand what the point is like why why even do the composting because it ends up in your community garden or wherever else and i like the idea of keeping things local i feel like composting should be a part of that as well should be no different right
2: yeah no i, I think you know the key for a community to, to thrive is when the community is working together when we all know that we are a a factor of each other's business to thrive you know so the individual who just wants to drop off food waste that's important you need to have a place where you can drop off your food waste easily so that it encourages you more to do more and then people seeing you doing that encourages other people to do more and then you're just giving that processing site or that that drop-off agency more resources for them to thrive because then they go around and once they have the finished compost they spread it around You know, so it's. I think that's the mentality. I feel like would change a city when they start to think of communities and helping communities to build this local, you know, infrastructure of sustainability, equity, education in some sort of way. I'm not saying stay that way, but try thinking in your city planning to help that process grow. And who knows? You'll see communities. I think communities would start to thrive better in that way. Absolutely. You talk a lot about um, kind of cultural shifts
1: and changing in, in our mindsets and, and how do you, uh, where do you put youth in that and why is youth
2: important? Yeah, I mean, youth I think is is the key to making the, cultu- the cultural shift long-term and sustainable. If you're not engaging your young people in your cultural design or your cultural shift of it, then it's not going to be sustainable because at a certain point those who designed it will not be able to do it anymore. And if you're not teaching the next generation how to continue that, then you're gonna lose that idea. So having young people at different stages of their age be a part of it is a key important of keeping something alive for a very long time. And I think that for me is always important to have moments of awareness, moments of interactions, moments of engagement, where the eight year old is having is, is being heard by the thirty year old on something that you may think oh that's simple that's a child idea but in reality that child will be more entertained if you follow and listen to what they have to offer and then you engage that or into your designs because they will be there because you put a part of their ideas into it It's a prideful thing for them it's a empowering thing for them you know for a kid to see their designs or their picture or their drawing on on anything makes them more engaged in it makes them want to do more makes them want to be a part of it more so when we're designing a cultural shift and you're not implementing the young people then you're not it's not going to last a long time
0: i like that answer and it also makes me think of what you were saying earlier about making the boxes more appealing, you know, and having stuff like kids doing the art or the the design of the boxes, something as simple as like just making it more aesthetically pleasing and having you involved in that process. One more question that uh, we have, I think we're getting towards the end of our questions here, is how can people be involved in helping to move this work forward? So obviously we talked about some of the Reasons why compost should be in more places, and and what some of the opportunities for growth are. How can people who are you know members of WeAct or just members of the community help to advance that work and push it forward? So th- there's a
2: uh, a campaign that that I I'm pushing. So I uh, brought Open Road back, and I mean it's always been around, but I just haven't been involved with them. So I brought Open Road of New York back into the uh, into this. Last ended last year into this new year to partner up with the Brotherhood of Sister Soul. And there's a campaign that I personally, um, am trying to push and have been pushing it at a slow pace, at a word to mouth, you know, word to word or mouth to mouth type of conversation where, um, the campaign is a thousand composting systems in New York City. And what that means is to, to, for the city, for, organizations, for individuals to help support, create, or remodel or rebuild a thousand composting sites in each borough of New York City. So, you know, remember the idea of like a million trees? You know, we're thinking about a thousand composting sites. Hopefully, what I envision is by having new sites in different gardens and rebuilding Composting sites that probably aren't being used anymore or are having some maintenance, you know, uh, struggles to help fund to rebuild those will give more access for people, residents to kind of bring their food waste to those locations. So that campaign could be more out there if more people talked about it. We should have more access to Processing compost processing sites. We should have more access to food drop off locations. We should have more micro haulers. And I think building more composting sites throughout the city and thinking about starting with a thousand in each borough will help these other ones kind of grow and develop. And if more people went to their you know local representatives and said you should fund you know more composting sites in our community in your district you know you should go to maybe your local um, organization that raised you know or got millions of dollars in their hands to do environmental infrastructure to you know sponsor some gardens to have them have a composting bin because I think a lot of times a lot of our gardens don't have a lot of money and budget most of those gardens are still thriving solely on volunteer work and when you think of how they're gonna put in that labor that we talked about as very uh, labor-intensive of composting, it's gonna be hard. So they're gonna want, if they want a composting bin, they're gonna want an easier one. But then the one, if they want my composting bin, it's expensive. Not because I want it to be expensive, just because of materials. Are, but if they had it, they would be less labor-intensive and they will have it for a long term of, of that process. So having more composting bins doesn't have to be the hot box. It could be any bin, but just starting to, you know, bring that into our communities and people talking about it, people sharing about it, people pushing their leaders, their community leaders, their community agencies and organizations to put money towards that. Or even then, you know, look look for a GoFundMe uh, for a composting system in your local garden and put some money towards that. I think that will help this new you know cultural uh, shift that um, you guys talked about or you know that I like to express too of composting being a solution one of the solutions small one for New York City but it's a solution to climate change and global warming and if you think about it, if it worked in New York City it can work in any city
0: very true and just for folks who want to learn more about the, you know this this thousand composting site uh, initiative where could people look to find more information is there a specific website or place that they can look
2: well the only place that I have it right now is on my Instagram unfortunately just shade throw but uh, hot composting on Instagram is where I'm starting to promote the hot box but also promote the thousand composting system. I'm looking, so brosis and Open Road are becoming partners to look for funding, raise some money to give free composting bins to northern Manhattan. So we're looking to go from 110th, 110th Street or Ninety Six on the east side and all the way up to Inwood. And what we're trying to do is look for funding, get some money so that we can build you know, specifically hot boxes and then donate it to community gardens that want them. And then hopefully other communities will start doing the same. Um, they could partner up with open Road and then we can start you know doing the data, doing the mapping, searching for gardens, searching for churches, schools that would be interested in having composting and then finding funding to develop and design and create these hot boxes for, for those spaces. So, Hapbox Composting is where you can find me.
0: Other thoughts, questions, anything else that you wanted to get out there that, that you feel like you didn't have a chance to, to say?
2: No, I mean, you know, I think, uh, there's, there's, I mean, I'm not the only one out there. I definitely want to just give a shout out to all of the different micro haulers and agencies that are working to keep compost alive. I think Adams, for a short moment of time, wanted to take it out of the map and Hopefully he doesn't. And I think he hasn't. And, you know, um, Sandy Nurse is, is pushing the effort. I'm trying to see if I could sit with her and have a meeting with her. I want, I would love for her to be the face of this 1000 composting system out there and for her to kind of push the campaign. You know, she's the founder of BK Rot, um, which is a micro, micro hauling company in Brooklyn. And I've always respected her and loved the idea. And I, you know, I think. Yeah, just a shout-out to all of those other people out there doing composting and keeping it alive.
0: So we are joined by the amazing Annie Carfero, who is our climate... what are you? (laughs)
3: one of those titles i am the climate justice campaign coordinator
0: thank you annie and we're just gonna talk a little bit about what we heard from nando in our conversation about composting lots of words of wisdom in there for us to unpack annie what stood out to you the most listening to all of that
3: i mean i think the fact that composting is so accessible it's Something that's hands-on, I think, that is really important in today's world. Increasingly, everyone is living behind a screen, and composting is something you can go out, you can do with your hands, you can create something at the end of it, and it's kind of closing the loop on this cycle of trash, creating a circular economy kind of with the waste that we produce. And I think what Nando's done so incredibly well in northern Manhattan is— Harness the beauty of that and create opportunities to educate people, to engage people, to engage children, to engage youth and like to make it accessible. I think that's really kind of cool. And I mean, we've seen some of the work that he's doing. It's it's really awesome to see a bunch of high schoolers, you know, come back and break down, you know, heaps of garbage. When I say garbage, food waste, heaps of food waste. You know, you don't see that often in New York City. It is, it's kind of fun to see them get their hands dirty.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we got to witness it firsthand. So, Annie, Lonnie, and I all got to go to Brotherhood Sister Soul and do a tour of the composting facility, the garden that Nando mentioned. And we did the whole process. We got to chop up the... Toss
3: some trash. Toss some trash, (laughs) yes.
0: The technical term for it. And it was... It's super fun. What, Lonnie, what did you think of, of, of going there and doing all that? As someone who's not your
1: typical like, outdoorsy kind of person who <laughs> kind of gets their hand dirty in that way, um, I was actually pleasantly surprised at how fun it was to actually do it, the, the process, and actually get in there. And also, shockingly, not as smelly. As it I thought it was going to be, it didn't really stink that much. So, I mean, kind of get the initial whiff of something and it's like catches you off guard, but after like a few minutes, you're like, Oh, you know, you don't really smell it the same way, but I had a great time and I thought the system was kind of cool and it was just great to really learn about it. Uh, it also just like kind of inspires me to actually compost cause I don't currently compost right now, right. but you know, now when, you know, we talked about a little earlier about the bins that are out there for collection, And, you know, they're a little more accessible for me now, so I'm definitely going to look into composting Um, and also getting involved a little bit more in the community gardens.
3: Yeah. The composting bins are hot. Remember how hot it was? Yes. It was like 85 degrees outside and then we went into the greenhouse where the hot box was and it was like 110 degrees. (laughs) It was brutal, but it was working. That was that was yeah. the key
0: piece. So it was doing that magic, that composting magic.
3: The sauna for the bugs.
0: Yeah, and it, it was cool because you could see. Uh, and just to clarify here, this is something that uh, Nana mentioned a whole bunch is the bugs. Did not see any cockroaches or any other uh, big nasty bugs. They're just like these little bugs, these little cute little bugs, little roly-poly bugs little that are in there, little worms. Yeah, all those all those fun bugs, the ones that you know kids love to play with, yeah. and <laughs> they're in there, you know, doing their thing. And it's funny because I fully expected. A bunch of people to be super like grossed out and like kind of like turned off by all the little crawlers that are in there, but everyone kind of got into it because once you realize that they're not going to do anything to you, they're just there having a spa day. Uh, <laughs> people would put their hand in the bin and like kind of let some of them like crawl on their hand, especially the kids. The kids were super into it. All the young people were like, "Yeah, look at I got an armful of bugs." Because oh, I'm not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all in different places in the composting. Joint. I
3: like chopping up all the food waste, like yeah. the pasta salad with the like orange peels, yeah, and just disgusting but fun. It's also know
1: interesting to-, to see what people throw out and what you can actually throw yeah. out. I was actually shocked that you could put certain things into composting. so yeah. that was like I was like, oh, I didn't know you could actually put cooked food. I always thought it was just produce that was like leftover, like. Apple cores, or uh, when you're chopping vegetables, like the stalks and pieces that you don't use, but I didn't realize there was much more that you could actually compost.
3: Right. Well, that's that's the beauty of the hot box composting because for like small backyard systems, you can't really compost like meat or bones or cooked food. But for systems like that where it is a little bit bigger and the temperature gets higher, yeah, you it's pretty incredible how much waste you can divert from your garbage into one of these bins.
0: Yeah. And just for folks who don't have a concept for like what a square yard of compost is, it's like a min- a small pool. You could swim in these buckets. <laughs> yeah. Would you want to? Maybe not. Uh, then maybe get like a little mud bath going on, but
3: it's like they're one pretty of those, big sized. Yeah, like one of those mini pools you buy at the Dollar Tree. Yes, it's one of those backyard
1: pools. Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to be yeah. clear, we do not endorse anyone getting inside of a pool <laughs> of compost,
0: but different type of mud buddy. Different mud type of buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So... Uh, I think both myself, Lonnie, and Annie, we all took some notes. What are some of the things that you wrote down that you wanted to talk about more that Nano said? I think, all
1: for all, just a general comment of, like, how he describes composting and the process and how he connects it to community. It's just kind of, it was, like, really pleasant to kind of think of about composting as a way to give back, not just to to nature or to... Uh, divert its food waste but also just at the community aspect to everything I thought was like really beautiful and kind of uh, the way he frames everything and I think that just kind of that kind of stuck with me a lot um, so that's what even you know makes me even more excited about actually getting a part of composting is to feel like I'm doing something relatively small but has a huge benefit in many different ways. Yeah.
0: Totally. And I mean, there was a reason that we were there in the first place, right, for that visit. It was part of the Climate Justice Working Group, right? So how does that trip to Brotherhood, Sister Soul, to this composting site fit into the work that we're doing with the Climate Justice Working Group? Why were we there?
3: Yeah, totally. I was thinking that when LJ was speaking, like the Climate Justice Working Group, it's one of the ways you can get a little bit more deeply involved in WEX work focused on climate justice and waste has been a topic that our members have brought to us over and over and over again. And so that's why we kind of have, no pun intended, dug a little bit into this work. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Um, And something that our members have brought to us when we were trying to create a mission statement for our group is that in the Climate Justice Working Group, we believe for everything, for climate change, for resiliency, for emergency preparedness, for uh, electrification. We believe in community-led solutions and trying to really um, strengthen, you know, ourselves in the process of transitioning off of fossil fuels and preparing, you know, for hotter summers and wetter summers, et cetera. And so I like the fact that composting is a whole local economy, like there's jobs in there. And there's, you know, jobs that, like I said, are not just sitting behind a computer and looking at a screen for eight to 10 hours a day. It's like being out there, it's making connections with your neighbors. It's creating something, but then it's also strengthening the community by creating, you know, very rich soil that can support street trees, can support gardens, can support green spaces. But I just think that there's something there. And the fact that, there's so much room for growth. Like New York does not compost compared to you know other cities in the United States, um, and there's there's jobs. Like there is really opportunities to engage people, underemployed folks, in a way that could be could speak to them more than you know what standard employment might look like in today's economy.
0: Yeah, for sure. And speaking of, you know, trying to to scale up this work around compost and and waste issues, part of the Climate Justice Working Group is like tying into policies, right? And what what are some like specific policies in addition to you know kind of what Nando was laying out with the thousand compost sites that seem to be like something that could move the work forward? What are some other big policy pieces of this equation that would really impact the city's progress in being a more smart resource in managing their waste, specifically their food waste?
3: Well. At the city level, and it's it's interesting because working in city and state politics, there's like certain issues that are state level issues, like a lot of housing stuff, energy stuff, but then there's like city level issues, and a big one is waste. A good mayor keeps the streets clean, picks up the garbage. At the city level, there's a bill package called the zero waste bill package that is five bills. They're into expanding recycling centers, expanding compost drop-off sites. Creating a zero by 30 plan that is mandated so that the city actually follows through with that commitment. The big one that we act members like is expanding curbside composting. So, composting in your building to every building in the city. Right now, there are a couple of pilots at different community boards, typically wealthier, whiter community boards have these pilots, where residents can, you know, when they put out their garbage, they have a little brown bin and they can put out their compost and it's picked up by the city. That's, that's a game changer. That makes composting so accessible. You know, I compost at home. I have a little tumbler in some outdoor space that I have. You put the compost in the freezer, it's very easy to do. You get used to it really quickly. If I could just bring that compost out when I bring my recycling out, that makes it a lot more accessible. And I think it makes it a lot easier to convince people to do that. So we really wanna see the mandatory curbside composting for everybody in the city. Um, Because that then kind of puts the roots in the ground for us in the Climate Justice Working Group to go out and educate our neighbors about the benefits of composting, how to do it in a small apartment, how to get involved in some of these more like local economy, local jobs, you know, local gardens. So, you know, we are we're really hoping to see that bill pass. And I think it's worth mentioning that at this point in time. Every single bill in the bill package has supermajority votes, which means that they have enough support in city council that they would not only pass, they would override a veto if the mayor wished to do that. What's stalling them right now is that the speaker of the council, they're kind of the voted in leader of the city council, uh, Speaker Adrienne Adams, she has the power to bring bills to the floor for a vote. And so, until she brings these bills to the floor for a vote, they're just going to sit there with all this support and, you know, not do anything.
0: What would motivate that to happen? If folks are passionate about this and want to like move that, help move that needle, is there anything that they can do to like put more pressure on that situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, we actually even have uh, we've done an action network campaign. Uh, where you send a, where you fill out a form and basically sends a letter to um, Speaker Adrian Adams to to basically just asking and urging to bring that that bill package to the floor for the vote. I think reaching out to your local council members, saying that you need this or that you want this for your communities, that we need this for New York City, um, and kind of keep pushing uh, the elected officials to do this uh, is one way that you can you can you can do that. in other actions, you know, through social media and pushing the elected officials to, to move this to move it forward.
3: And, and elected officials, really, Speaker Adrian Adams, like she right now is the person holding this up. I think that I don't want to be too, oh, I'll be hard on her. I think that the mayor's administration is probably, you know, telling her, you know, we don't want to pay for that, so don't do that. There's probably some pressure from the Department of Sanitation at the direction of Mayor Adams, Mayor Eric Adams, I know it's confusing. But I think that the more public pressure on the speaker, the less she can ignore this issue. And I, the, why, the support for this is there. It's just that, you know, if people are talking in their individual groups and, you know, there's not really like an organized effort to really like put that pressure campaign on her. That's what we're missing right now. And I think that's what, you know, could get this over the finish line. And it, it would be really fantastic to see.
0: All right, so we're, uh, we're uh, near the end of our time. Uh, any, any closing thoughts about composting or our work in general around the issue of waste at WEACT?
3: Waste is you know, part of WEACT's founding story. It's something that environmental justice communities have had to endure um, for decades. And I think composting is this beautiful, organic way to really cut back on the amount of waste that we are dumping into communities and instead like turn that trash into gold. And I just want to shout out, composting's easy. Put it in your freezer, go find one of those orange bins, dump it once a week. Um, you're going to find yourself doing it for everything. It's very exciting.
0: And it will also reduce the amount of times that you have to take out your regular trash. And it will make sure that your trash doesn't smell quite so bad, which is an added bonus, I will say.
3: And the rats. We didn't talk about the rats.
0: We could talk about the rats now.
3: I mean, just quickly, like, you know think about all the rats going through your garbage when you leave it on the side of the curb. If there's no more food waste in that garbage, it's a lot less appealing to the pests that have invaded New York City and are currently winning the war against the humans. So, rat mitigation plus.
0: Yes. What about all the people who are worried that having a compost bin in their garden will will bring rats? I mean, I think we didn't really talk about that with Nando, but I think that... From what we saw with the bins, they are sealed, and I remember asking specifically about that to Nando when we were there in person, and he said that the bins have never created issues for cockroaches for rats. It's just I think it's a bit of a misconception around the composting that if you bring the waste to these sites, you will also bring the rats, and I don't think that has been the case.
3: Part of, that's a great point that you make, and actually, we talked about this with Nando, and part of the reason that his bins are a little bit more expensive than other bins are, because of all the benefits he mentioned, but they're also rat proof. Rats can't chew through them. Um, And he's had a bin, you know, for 30 plus years, it's never been infiltrated by rats. So that's a testament that his statements are true.
0: That is the only square yard of New York City that has not been infiltrated (laughs) by rats to this day. Thank you, Nando.
3: (laughs) The steel bolt. Yeah,
0: thanks, Nando. We need more of... We need more for this rat More more rat-free square yardage of New York. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us, Annie. We're going to go ahead and, and wrap up. We'll make sure to have you on the show again real soon. I'm sure all the fans will love you.
3: I'm happy to kick you guys off. Congratulations.
0: Yay. Thanks, Annie. Thank you. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. If you made it this far in the show, that means you probably enjoyed what you heard. So tune in on the last Monday of every month for new episodes. Lonnie, how can the folks find us? You can check
1: out We Act on Facebook at We Act for EJ. That's W E A C T F O R E J. And also on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at We Act for EJ. That's W E A C T number four E J. And check out our website at weact.org for more information about environmental justice. Until next time, don't be trash, be compost. Okay, bye.